KYW Original Podcasts. From the KYW Studios in Philadelphia, this is Cinema Obscura. Before The House on Haunted Hill, before he found The Tingler, and long before he became the last man on planet Earth, Vincent Price was a character actor, frequently appearing in noir dramas and thrillers. But a man of his features, his voice, his aura, was made to wander the halls of gothic manners as the brooding lord harboring dark secrets. I'm Andre Bennett, joined by KYW's Frank Trainer, and this week we're talking about Vincent Price and Gene Tierney in 1946's Dragon Wick. Hi, Frank. Thanks for having me, Andre. It was a real treat to see this film again. For me, it was a real treat to see it for the first time. And I have to thank my fiancé for suggesting it to us. She does have great taste. Are you enjoying the kermess of the upper classes? Very interesting to watch. As if I were visiting a different world. And I suppose everyone has commented on your gown and how beautiful you look. Not everyone. Do you like it, Nicholas? Very much. And do you think I'm beautiful? The most beautiful lady at the ball? Yes, I do. Thank you. I'm very grateful. You haven't answered my question. Are you enjoying the ball? I said it was very interesting to watch. That's not an answer. Well, then, no. Why not? You know that answer as well as I. Because my name is just plain Wells, and I'm off a farm, and I don't speak French, and I don't belong. That's nonsense. Of course you do. I'm as good as any of Better. But it's the wrong river. I'm not from the top of the Hudson. I'm from the Connecticut River bottom. Dragonwick was directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, the Oscar-winning director of All About Eve, and it is the story of Miranda Wells, played by Jean Tierney, a Connecticut farm girl in 1844 who was called on by a rich, distant relation by marriage to become a governess for his daughter. Pretty standard gothic setup there. That relation is Nicholas Van Rijn, played by Vincent Price, and the two do grow close. After his wife's tragic death, they fall in love and ultimately marry, but this movie is really about the dark side of wish fulfillment, so things go a bit askew, wouldn't you say, Frank? They sure do, and they go askew pretty quickly in this gothic novel turned into a film. And one of the things that, that listeners might really enjoy is the fact that we have so many Hollywood dynasties that are involved with this particular film. Oh, yeah. You've got uh, Walter Houston, who is the patriarch of the Houston The whole Houston dynasty, family. Yes. And we have Alfred Newman, who scored this film, and his family is responsible for scoring some of our favorite films through many decades. The whole cast here is amazing. You have, of course, up top Gene Tierney, Vincent Price, and Walter Houston. You've got uh, Jessica Tandy and Harry Morgan showing up in supporting roles. You mentioned Harry Morgan before, but I didn't recognize Jessica Tandy at all. Here she's this young, inexperienced maid who shows up in the back half of the yeah, movie. Yeah, she's the Irish maid who yes. uh, walks with a limp and also the other maid who kind of just disappears in the yes. film, Spring Byington. And, yeah. and she was a staple in many, many films in the 30s and 40s. In my notes, I have Magda. Where did she go? Where did she go? Where did she go? She, <laughs> yeah. she just all of a sudden disappears and this new helper shows up. So Vincent Price is obviously the secret weapon of this movie. He's both charming and creepy, which is his number one talent. He can be both. He can turn it on whenever he wants. He's kind of wonderful, really. And it's interesting to consider what would have happened had Mankiewicz not directed this movie. Ernst Lubitsch, who made To Be or Not to Be, was originally supposed to direct it. And his original leading man was going to be Gregory Peck. Hmm. Then he fell ill, and then Peck had to drop out of the project when they kept pushing it back. 
it's a remarkable performance by both Jean Tierney and Vincent Price. You fall in love with her instantly, uh, first because she's so beautiful. And, you know, you can identify with this girl who wants to have a better life. And then when she gets it, it's not all that it was cracked up to be. A lot of people probably first saw her on late night TV in The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, where she is also playing a, a woman who wants a little bit more than the life that she has. And Vincent Price, like you said, he can play very authoritarian and very creepy all at the same time. He does it all here and creepy and crazy as we find out as we get deeper and deeper into the film. Yeah, he really is one of the greatest actors who ever lived, in my opinion, because he's so versatile. He could play a hero, but he can also play the villain or the hero-driven mad. Yeah, and he, he's a good comedian, too. Yes. A good comic actor. Oh, he's so, he's so witty, and he can deliver so many withering put-downs, snide remarks, and he's just so good at it. And this this film has a lot more going for it if you really want to analyze it as you go through. As Andre mentioned, it's a gothic presentation and it's filmed beautifully. Great music. Wonderfully filmed. And the light and the shadows all through this. The cinematography is wonderful. If you're into that sort of thing, you'll find this delightful at the very least because it really does use light and dark to convey the light and the dark moods as this film moves through the life of this married couple but they are married for a dark secret right yes there is a dark secret there's always a dark dark secret secret. we're not going to give away the secret there are other secrets but there's a big secret we're not going to give away but like you said the mood and the lighting definitely instrumental here when it starts out on the farm in greenwich connecticut everything is brightly lit and yeah, it's very it, warm and wholesome. Yeah, very happy yeah. and, uh, and it's remar- bouncy music. and Yeah, and it's remarkable, too, that they can achieve all of this in black and white. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a film to rewatch, and that's one of the things that caught my eye right off the bat. Maybe I didn't appreciate that when I was watching it on a black and white television a long, long time ago. But it was a treat to watch not only the acting, but also the cinematography and the music. And the sets. And the sets. The sets were great. Yeah, Yeah, Dragonwick is gorgeous and striking, but it's also very sinister, especially as the movie goes on. And Miranda becomes more a part of the fabric of it, but also really feels that she doesn't belong. As you heard in the clip, she's at this function and she's obviously not from that world. Before that interaction with Nicholas, she's tried to converse with some of the other socialites. Some of the upper crusters of, of that area. And I thought she did pretty well. And then I guess her moral upbringing, which yeah. was embedded in her by her uh, father. the character played by her dad, Walter Houston, she mm-hmm. just told them who she really was and how she really felt about them. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those tricks, I thought, in the film when Vincent Price sort of said, everything will be fine. You're yeah. as good, if not better, than all of them. And I thought, okay, well, this could work out well until it didn't. Until it didn't. I'm also amazed that this movie is so class conscious for the time. It takes place during an actual period where the tenant farmers were rebelling against the rich landowners, the patroons. This all happened in uh, the Hudson Valley area of New York. Yeah, all, pre, all pre-Civil all pre War. 
It was interesting that you bring that up because some of our listeners might know Harry Morgan from Dragnet. Ma- Dragnet, that's where I first was introduced to him, or as Colonel Potter on MASH. Of course. So he, he was a, a longtime character actor in Hollywood before he got heavily into television. And he is sort of the first person that you see who is of this new era in the Hudson Valley who wants to buy the farmland that they have been paying rent on for years and years and years. And Mm -hmm. you sort of do a double take and you say, is is, is that Colonel Potter? (laughs) Yes, it is. Another thing about this movie, it's very patriarchal. I kind of think that for gothic heroines, it's almost as though their greatest antagonist in, in these works isn't so much the dark secret in the tower but it's the patriarchy because often these heroines begin in modest circumstances mm-hmm. and then they're thrust by either some chance or some quirk of fate or some devious machination into this world of privilege and opulence. And then they have to navigate all of that and they become very resilient because of it because often the things they learn end up terrorizing them and then they overcome that. But the things that end up terrorizing them are also usually set in motion by the lord of the manor and they're also coming from maybe this authoritarian patriarchal upbringing like she came from with her father. He's very grounded in religion. He's very deep in his faith. Yeah, and and before he even gives her permission to go and live with this relative, he said, I'm going to go pray on it and I'll let you know tomorrow morning. And he... uh, he happens to open up the Bible, hits a verse just out of sheer chance and yeah. runs his finger along the verse and reads it. And to him, it's interpreted as, OK, she can go. And then she does. There was probably the intent to put a little bit more of Walter Houston and his dominance over his family through the film, but I have a feeling that a lot of that may have wound up on the cutting room floor, especially you see him when he yeah. takes her first to meet the man he's going to give his daughter to, to bring up in a better life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't suffer fools lightly. And yeah. uh, I think he pretty much had Vincent Price's character's number from the, the moment he lays eyes on He did, him. but then he doesn't show up again until much later on. Right. And I, I'm wondering if that was intentional or maybe that was just a fluke of editing. I just thought that somebody who was set up, like yeah. like her character is set up, would be communicating via letters to her parents more frequently than we're ever led to believe happened in this. So maybe it was just a time crunch. And If it was a fluke of editing, then he probably went the way of Magda and of Van Ryan's daughter, Katrine, yeah, who right. like, is poof, supposed to be gone. this. Yeah, she's gone too. Right. And like, at the end of the movie, I'm saying, okay, well, wait a minute. Before, where'd the daughter go? Yeah, before you get into that carriage, where's the little girl? Yeah. And also Harry Morgan's character who is arrested for murder, you never hear anything else about that. Right. You, you never hear – You do – actually, how, no. You do see him later on. You do see him but you yeah. don't know how that trial went. Mm-hmm. Vincent Price promises that he will intercede. Mm-hmm. So I guess he did and mm-hmm. uh, Harry Morgan and all the other people who used to pay homage and rent to Vincent Price's character for years and years and years, I thought it was very touching at the end of this film where they all take off their hats. 
to well, sort of salute him, kind of? Sort of. We won't get too deep yeah, into that, but obviously. I, I thought that was a, Spoilers. Yeah, I thought that was a, a very interesting touch that they go from people who were ready to fight him to people who were paying their respects to him. Personally, without giving too much away, I thought the way they turned that with a single line was one of the most wonderfully acidic things I've seen. We don't want to give too much away here because the fun in this movie is in the twist. Yeah, and you'll get lost in the music. You'll get lost in the love story. The music definitely because Newman's score, it's it's one of those wonderfully smothering old school film scores. But also there's that bit where I guess there's supposed to be kind of a curse where anyone of Van Ryan blood hears this music, this harpsichord music and this ghostly singing. And it's wonderfully haunting. Oh, it, it is. It's amazingly it is. haunting. I was kind of hoping that they would explore that a little bit more yeah. and give us a backstory, a little bit more of a backstory mm-hmm. on – there's a painting of one of their relatives and it hangs in their parlor and a big piano or harpsichord is there. And apparently we can hear it as the audience and so do those characters hear it, but nobody else does. Yeah, Miranda certainly doesn't because while she is a cousin by marriage, she shares no Van Ryan blood. We have another clip here. Secrets by this point have started to be revealed and Vincent Price's character, I mentioned before, he also specializes in playing heroes that become madmen. There's a little of that here in this clip. Don't be offended. By ordinary standards, you're quite intelligent. But I will not live by ordinary standards. I will not run with the pack. I will not be chained into a routine of living which is the same for others. I will not look to the ground and move on the ground with the rest. Not so long as there are those mountaintops and clouds and limitless space. I'm sure you are still unable to understand. I want to try if you'll help me. Shall I? Shall I tell you what you want to know? Brace yourself. Prepare to have your God-fearing, farm-bred, prayer-fattened morality shaken to its core. See, I have become what is vulgarly known as a drug addict. Dun, dun. <laughs> There's the sting. And I guess that's what he was doing, also not explained, when he would go to New York for two to three weeks yeah. at a clip. I guess he was up there. Or the tower room. Or the tower yes. room. Yeah, I guess that's where he was uh, doing his drugs and getting them in New York. And it was a delight to see these two actors play off each other. Yeah. And they made several films together. So Yeah, they, they, they did Laura other, as well, right? Yeah, they knew each other probably very well. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they got along well on screen. Yeah, they, and, they had solid chemistry. Yeah, they really did. And again, Gene Tierney, one of the most beautiful women ever in Hollywood, had a longtime romance with President Kennedy before he got deep into politics. Really? Yeah, yeah. And she was married to Ole Cassini. Can you imagine what a charm it was for him to dress her as one of the great designers of all time? And he had one of the most beautiful women in the world as his wife. It was quite nice to always see her in a film. You kind of always knew what you were going to get. Not only a a beautiful woman, but a great actress, and she had amazing range. She did, and of course, as I said, the gothic heroine is a resilient one, and she is able to portray that as everything happens and her life changes multiple times. She keeps up with it. Were it not for some of the plotting issues where threads and characters just kind of vanish, yeah. 
I would say this is certainly like a lost classic. But even still, it's definitely a movie that is not talked about enough. No, no. Underseen nowadays, it's not streaming anywhere. It is available on DVD and import Blu-ray, and I think maybe you can find it on demand on DirecTV. Yeah, and I found it on YouTube. Or you could do that, but we're not going to say you should or say where. But it is a movie that is worth your time. And if you like the film and you fall in love with Gene Tierney, uh, my advice, try to find The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. If you love her in this, you're going to really love her in that film. Don't forget, Cinema Obscura is on Twitter at CObscuraPod. Find information on this episode and past episodes and join the conversation. Frank, any last thoughts? I just thought it was a great film and it has so many good things going for it that you, by the end, will overlook a lot of these question marks. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank you. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Andre Bennett with Frank Trainer. Cinema Obscura is recorded and produced at the KYW Studios in Philadelphia. You can find this and other KYW shows on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. That's right. Take off your hats in the presence of the patrol.